Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Ian Prendergast Sean Goes to the Movies. My name is Sean Peterbudge and this is a little spin-off show that fully indulges my passion for film and media and basically allows me to talk about them without Fabian and Tim indulging me for 20-odd minutes when we ought to be talking about sport instead. On today's episode, I'll be chatting about John Wick Chapter 3, a little bit of trailer news with the superb first look at it, Chapter 2, the current state of James Bond in uh, 2019 and beyond. Thanks for tuning in. As always, remember to hit me up on Twitter at Sean Peterbudge, one word, uh, and the pod proper when we talk about sports, which is the Prender underscore cast. Uh, first up, we'll have a chat about John Wick Chapter 3, which is in cinemas from today. Stars Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, Angelica Houston, uh, Lance Reddick and Halle Berry. Um, and the plot, pretty straightforward. It's the third instalment of the series that started with a stolen car and a dog back in 2014. Uh, picks up immediately after Chapter 2 came to a close. John Wick has been declared excommunicado. The repercussions of his killing of Santino D'Antonio on the grounds of the Continental Hotel being a $14 million open contract on his head. With the clock ticking, resources available to him scarce, and enemies queuing up for a crack at that bounty, John must go underground and across the globe, encounter fresh and familiar faces, call in old favours and take on new assignments before a final showdown to give him back the life he thought he'd left behind. There's obviously more to it than that, but we don't want to give away spoilers. Um, What I really liked about it, first up, Energy and style. It's been a hallmark of the series since day dot. And Stahelski, who, um, Chad Stahelski, sorry, the director, former stuntman, worked with Keanu Reeves on the Matrix film films. What he's done since that first instalment is just imbued with such an infectious energy. Every every sequence is is exciting to watch, um, and they sort of continually up up each other. And the style of it is just sort of hard to pigeonhole, really. And I'm not sure if it's like anything else. It's sort of unlike anything else, and and that's what makes it. You know, fresh and and um and and really fun to watch. Uh, world building. You know, I mentioned last week um, in my review of Detective Pikachu that the best films that seek to operate a world within our world, so something that takes place within our our existence or our reality, but sort of separate or distinct to it. The best films that do that sort of establish their their rules and then they abide by them. But not just that, they build on them, they add to them, they reveal new layers, and John Wick has continued to do this uh, first with Chapter 2, now with Chapter 3. Um, and every sort of new and exciting element they they reveal or add just improves the lore and improves the mythology of the world, but importantly, without betraying what has come before it. In this, you see new characters, um, new politics to the world, new environments, you know, new figureheads, and, and all of it serves not to compromise what has come before it, but to complement that. And it's that's a real, um, that's a tick, basically. It's very, very difficult to do, very difficult to be fresh three installments in. Uh, but John Wick's managed to do that and managed to do it excellently. Huge part of that is character development. Uh, each character in this particular film, you know, they're all given important decisions to make. And these are decisions that affect them directly. They affect John Wick personally. And then they also influence the series moving forward. It's genuinely excellent storytelling. Um, all the returning characters have a utility that obviously serves the film and uh, explains why they're in the movie. And all the new characters, like I said before, add layers and add complexity to the world as well. Everything they've added, as I said, is complementary to the story moving forward. A huge highlight of the film is the first 15 minutes really hits the ground running and it gives the audience what they want up front. It's actually very clever in this respect. It's almost Warriors-like in that, uh, if you remember, the, the 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 Warriors were they fighting their way back to Coney Island, fighting their way across New York. John has basically gotten 45-odd minutes, I think, 
before the the bounty ticks uh, ticks over at six o'clock. So in that window, he's sort of moving his way across New York, trying to take cover, trying to uh, and trying to get some some weapons, trying to get some first aid. You know, very very funny sequence. And what he encounters as that clock keeps ticking is eager enemies trying to cash in. And you get a couple of sequences. A fight in a library, uh, a fight in antiquities, which is a knife fight, which is absolutely superb, and then a bit of a chase sequence as well. So, in the first 15 minutes, they say, "Here's what you've come to see. Enjoy it," which you do, and then after that, you're sort of happy for the film to settle into a rhythm and reveal the plot, reveal the narrative, and to get into the nitty gritty. Like I said, very, very good, um, very clever way to begin the film, uh, and I think that audiences sort of see it, react to it, enjoy it, then they're sort of like, "Okay, I'm ready to." to relax a little bit now that was pretty chaotic let's see what the film's about and the film gets into its rhythm after that uh the choreography and set pieces like i said you know this take someone out with a book that knife fight's fantastic several aspects of the final confrontation are really brilliantly realized and pleasingly as sequels are want to do sometimes they don't go back to the well sequels are notoriously guilty for reheating things that the audience liked in the past whether it be a joke or a setup um, you know, some have been done in a, in a pulpy way and they work, thinking Indiana Jones with the gun. You know, he, in Raiders, he guns down the man in the market. In Temple of Doom, he looks for the gun to do it again. He doesn't have it. And you sort of giggle and chuckle. But John Wick, you know, they could have easily have reheated uh, certain aspects of the first two, particularly Chapter 2's uh, Rome nightclub scene, which was sort of the highlight of that film. Had they just given that to us again, most people probably would have been happy. You sit there and go, it was a great scene when I first saw it. I still love it now. Yeah, it's not the most original, but it's great. It's got good, fantastic energy. It's exactly what we want to see. They don't take the easy option. They don't take the cheap or lazy way out. They look at what can we what can we do to John that's new? What can we do to John that's exciting? What can we give the audience that they haven't seen before? And I think uh, Chad Stahelski, the director, as I said, his stunt background is really important there. He can sort of frame and he can construct new set pieces that are that are compelling that they're fresh um another big another really really good part of these uh, these sequences i think is as the film uh, ramps up as the film you know moves from first second third act effectively the trilogy has actually taken place over the course of about a week certainly not very long and you can see that john's beaten up he's he's been through the ringer he's fatigued and that comes across in 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 the choreography particularly late in the film he's up against it he's out of gas and what that gives the fights is a really gritty realism that um, a little bit like James Bond's fight in the stairwell in uh, in Casino Royale it's dangerous because you can see he's knackered he's up against it you know his opponents are as well and that's it's an exciting way I think to frame and a realistic way to frame you know fight to the death they are fighting for their lives and when you've not got much in the tank it becomes desperate so the stakes in that respect, are very, very high, and they're conveyed very, very effectively. And then central to that, another aspect of the film I really enjoyed, is Keanu Reeves' willingness to be the man in the middle. You know, he looks like he performs a lot of his own stunts and choreography, uh, which allows or means that the camera can live inside the action and he can fill the frame. You know, where practical and allowable, it's him. It's him doing the stunt. And the audience knows, the audience recognises that, yeah, that's, that's our guy. It's not... We're not shooting it wide. We're not shooting it obscured. We're not shooting it in shadow or silhouette. That's him. That's Keanu Reeves. That's John Wick. That's the man we've come to see. And it just adds a bit of legitimacy to the character. You know, it, it's a little thing ultimately because 
you can still get the same effect shooting it wide. Um, but when you're in there tight, like I said earlier, with the danger and and the sense of um, the sense of sort of what's the word I'm looking for um, uh, geography in the scene. When you're in there really tight, you, you can't cheat the audience. You know, you see it, you know it's him. So that was something else that's really excellent. It's a credit to to both Keanu and obviously the stunt guys. Um, and then lastly, the plot. You know, it's it's almost secondary in a film like this. You know, some pictures might use the action, which is what the cinema goes, what, what the fans have come to see is these action sequences. They use them as a bit of a crutch, and it's just, how do we get to the next one? We just need to get to the next sequence. What's the next sequence? Okay, we, well, he needs to do this in between that, but then we can get to the next fight. Not really this film. This film is, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Um, it's really set up an engaging narrative with, you know, interesting characters that explore this world they've set up, add to it, complement it, make it better. So this is a plot that uh, that is really, really engaging and really interesting to watch unfold, not just because the characters drive it, but how they react, obviously, living inside it. So uh, that was excellent as well. Um, as far as things that sort of maybe were a little bit underdone or, or things that I didn't like, there's not a lot, to be honest. You know, there's, in terms of plot and character, there's nothing. Um, the only thing that you might be able to say is, uh, just over two hours, is it a fraction too long? You know, perhaps, maybe it could be a little bit tighter, but the film is by no means and in no way flabby, so that's a pretty minor quibble. Um, you know, second or repeat viewings will sort of reveal that, obviously, how invested you are in 100% of the plot, but uh, on a first view, look, like I said, it's a pretty minor quibble. If you want to cut five or ten minutes of it, you're sort of thinking out loud, what are they, what bits are they, and you're going, well, geez, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not cutting anything that's completely extraneous. Maybe things could be a little bit tighter, but not a lot. Um, as for the final verdict, look, if you like the other John Wicks, you'll love this. If you like sort of the Hong Kong cinema and that heavy, heavily choreographed uh, fight sequences, you'll love it. If you like Keanu Reeves, you'll love it. Um, scorecard, as we're using the old SEN uh, Marco and the Ox Lee Patch scorecard, which is out of five goals, um, really enjoyed it. And I'm going to give it four goals three, which is an exceptionally good score, to be honest, and, and really recommend that people go out and check it out and and, uh, and enjoy it and really sort of appreciate um, one of the better franchises going in this day and age, you know, led by a guy that is is very charismatic um, in a really sort of uh, unusual sort of way. Keanu doesn't doesn't tend to say a lot. You know, he, he certainly stays within his lanes. You know, as an actor, doesn't often try to overextend himself, but in John Wick, he's, he's well and truly found a vehicle that um, I think fans will, will come to associate with him for years and years and years to come. So uh, it's in cinemas now. Go and check it out. Uh, highly, highly recommended. Um, as for sort of general movie news or movie discussion, something that caught my eye in the last week or so was the first look at It Chapter 2, uh, the sequel to 2007's It Chapter 1, obviously based on the, the book by Stephen King. Um, chapter 1 actually, in, in, interestingly, went on to become the highest grossing horror film of all time which I think took a few people, including the, the producers, by surprise. I think everyone expected it to perform well enough, given it's sort of late-in-the-year release on or around Halloween. People generally have a bit of a hankering for horror films in that September-October window, so it made plenty of sense to release it there, and it just exceeded everyone's expectations. Um, and, you know, like you, you sort of look at it and go, well, people are familiar with it. They know of it from the old miniseries in the early 90s with Tim Curry, but... You know, they've managed to, to turn it into a massive deal. And, and really what comes next is anyone's guess uh, in terms of a Chapter 3 because there's no material beyond this point. But if this one goes on to make a significant amount of money, which you'd expect it to, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they 
they turn it into an anthology and go again, or do they just leave well enough alone? But with the trailer itself, uh, the film picks up 27 years after the events of the first film. Pennywise um, returns to to haunt or to uh, hunt and terrorise the people of Derry, Maine every 27 years, as established in the source material. And uh, we welcome Jessica Chastain. Uh, there's Bill Hader. Um, I was going to say, I don't, Ben McAvoy is the Ruckman for Hawthorne. What's his name? McAvoy. James McAvoy. Obviously very well known for playing uh, Professor X in the new uh, X-Men movies and um, well known for, generally speaking, being a pretty good actor. But uh, they all play the aged, aged up versions of the kids that we glimpsed in Chapter 1. But the trailer itself has done something that films haven't really done for many years. And I think it's very clever. It's basically just a scene. It's just a two-minute scene with a bit of the sizzle reel tacked onto the end. But effectively, the trailer is just um, a two-minute look at the atmosphere and the vibe and the overall tone of the film. Without without the disorientating cuts, without the, what's that, who's that, oh, that looks familiar. It's Jessica Chastain's Beverly uh, returning to her childhood home to basically find that the tenant's a bit unusual, this old lady. And the audience realises, or the audience is shown in real time as Beverly begins to realise, that not everything inside this house is what it seems. And it's so well done. The sense of dread, it's perfect for especially what a horror film is trying to accomplish, building you know, that elevated heart rate, white-knuckling the chair a bit, you're waiting for the jump scare, you're searching the frame for clues, you're, just, you're on the edge of your seat waiting to be, where's the... Where's the moment coming from? And it's superbly well realised and a really genuinely excellent first look at uh, at a film that plenty of people are anticipating. And I am by no means, historically speaking, a horror fan. It's not necessarily my favourite genre. I don't tend to to seek out a lot of horror films. Um, but just as a piece of marketing and a, and a way of introducing your film to an audience, uh, this was really, really well done. And I... Uh, I I uh, highly recommend you uh, you hunt it down on YouTube or uh, the official Twitter accounts and the like and give it a look because um, hopefully it's something that we'll see uh, more films do a little bit more of as, as time goes on. I think it, it reminded me somewhat of uh, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises both did this prior to their release. Uh, the year they generally opened sort of June, July from memory and in the December of the preceding year they showed their prologue. So The Dark Knight was the bank robbery involving the Joker that ran before I Am Legend in IMAX. And I think it was Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible, they ran um, Bane's Plane Heist. And for fans who wanted to go hunt it down, it was a really good way of introducing, here's a sneak peek, here's an unencumbered, you know, fully contextualized look at a scene from the film that doesn't give away anything other than what happens in that scene, um, but it gives you a really well-realized uh, look at, at just what they're trying to do and what the film is is going to be like. So, um, yeah, look, as, as I said, I hope hope more films, you know, um, hope more films try this moving forward, especially for a teaser trailer. Um, next, cab off the rank, have a little bit of bit of a chat about James Bond. Now, this is a topic I, I love. James Bond, you know, growing up watching them all, pretty passionate about it. I think like like everyone who, who enjoys their cinema and particularly enjoys that character. I've got my favourites, my favourite moments, things I, I love and things I don't. Um, it's just, I just really find its place in, in modern media interesting to to consider and interesting to reflect upon. You know, you, you've got a film that has an actor at the front of it that doesn't seem to want to be the character that made him anymore. You've got a production that's underway without a finished script. 
And you've got a series that, like I said, doesn't seem to really know what it is and what it means and what it ought to be in the 21st century. You know, you've got a film, uh, James Bond, this venerated, legendary character that doesn't seem to know what its strengths are. You know, and, and you've got a, a lead character that seems unwilling or unable to do what they need to, to to return him to the top of the pile. I mean, you think about it, you compare it with a film like John Wick, made three of them, knows what it is, hasn't had that existential sort of identity crisis yet that may well come but i don't doubt that john wick will get to 25 installments in fairness you've got a film like mission impossible which has gone so far so far past james bond it's 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 extraordinary really i'd almost say embarrassing but what uh, tom cruise and and particularly chris mcquarrie have been able to accomplish with the last two mission impossibles and then it was brad bird before him and J.J. Uh, Abrams rebooted with the third one. What they've been able to turn Ethan Hunt into is James Bond. This extraordinary action hero, tight plots, um, compelling villains. You know, and, and you look at a film like like uh, Mission Impossible, and every year there's a new one. It's marketed around the next crazy stunt, the next crazy stunt that, um, that Tom Cruise has done. You know, in Ghost Protocol, he climbed. Uh, the Burj Khalifa in, what was the fifth one called? Rogue Nation, maybe? Um, he was hanging on the, the side of a plane as it took off. You know, in the last one, he broke his ankle doing a stunt running across building tops in London, and that wasn't even the most extreme. He was hanging from a, 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 uh, hanging from a, a hot air balloon, and, you know, all this stuff is, once again, I said with John Wick and the stunts, it's him in the frame. They're selling him as the action man. The reason you go to see it is because he's embracing the role and he's performing the role you know, with vigor and with, with energy. And you look at a guy like Daniel Craig who comes out on the publicity tour of Spectre and says he'd rather slit his wrist than do another one. And you sit there and go, well, what's that meant to, or how's that meant to make me feel about A, a character in a film series that's made your career and B, something that I'm meant to be excited about watching. And a new James Bond film is, is meant to be an event. And under this current watch, ever since, you know, you could say Casino Royale was, was really well done, obviously. You know, Quantum of Solace was a bit laboured. Uh, Skyfall was really, really good. Spectre was weak. You know, in 13, 14 years, we've had four movies. And we're already being told this Bond that started off as you know, fresh and and uh, and and re-energized. Now it's tired and it's old. You know, you got a film that I suppose you got a film that was once best in class as being just rendered slow and old and you know in need of another in need of another renovation. And you think, well, that's what Casino Royale was meant to be, and it just feels like they've dropped the ball. You know, a keeping Daniel Craig around, who who somehow has gotten himself into a position of extraordinary influence within the franchise um and they're just you know, it's being anchored by a guy that's just not fully committed to the role and they've been you know passed by particularly mission impossible you could make a claim john wick you know and, and central to those are, are actors who a enjoy being in the role um and be invested in its success and, and this is a guy who, who doesn't seem to want to do it anymore and you know, you look at what they did with Casino Royale in terms of stripping it right back as a response to the Bourne series and making it more on the ground, making it grittier. And that was refreshing after it had gone probably too far, um, too far with stuff like Die Another Day. But 
you revisit it now and you go, well, you've actually stripped back all the core elements of James Bond that made it James Bond. And now it doesn't know what it can be, what it needs to be, what it's prepared to be. So it's an interesting situation. Like I said earlier, the, the rumours are at the moment they don't have a script finished. Um, someone, uh, a source had apparently described it as a polished mess uh, and something that they're hoping to fix in the edit. You know, got James Bond has obviously uh, rolled his or hurt his ankle on, on, uh, on set, which has compromised the filming. So, you know, it comes out next year and we always hope for the best and hope for it to be a success and be an engaging film. But, geez, it just, it just feels like there's a few things going against it just at the moment, which is a shame for one of those big Hollywood franchises to want to go out with a bang with uh, Daniel Craig in his final go-around in the role. But you're already eyeing, really, you're already sitting there going, well, what's next? Is it a jump start? Is it a reboot? Are we doing a Casino Royale, Casino Royale style refresh from square one? You know, and that's probably more interesting to me as a fan, to be honest, is what comes after the next film, because this film looks like they're kind of just laboring to the finish line with a guy that doesn't really, or can't really be bothered anymore. So, yeah, it's an interesting state we're in. We'll wait and see on that and see if any more news comes to light in the next little while. Um, no, thank you very much for, for listening. That'll that'll wrap us up for today. Um, next week, I think we've got uh, potentially Aladdin and uh, Brightburn, which looks like a, like an interesting film. And of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, engage us on Twitter sh- at uh, Sean Peterbudge, all one word, uh, and the podcast proper, obviously, which drops every Friday. We uh, we chat about sport with Fabian and Tim. Can be found at the Prender underscore Cast. Uh, we'll see how we go with those, and we'll hope to to speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Our services still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. You think you can take John Wick? You've got a nasty surprise coming. I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. And so far, You haven't disappointed. We can keep this up as long as you'd like. But this only ends one way. All of this for what? Because of a puppy? wasn't just a puppy.